Our Old Testament reading on this Pentecost Sunday is from the book of Genesis in the 11th chapter. Now, the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. And then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do, and nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down in there and confuse their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, And from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Our New Testament reading for Pentecost, as well as our sermon text, comes from Acts in chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each of us in his own native tongue? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others, mocking, said, Well, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day, but this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit. And they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. 
And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the word of the Lord. I invite you to rise in honor of the gospel. Our gospel reading from John's gospel in the 14th chapter. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. This is the gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all which you have done for us, and we pray, Lord, that you would guide us at this time. Lead us, Lord, by your Spirit, as you gather us together around your Word. Remove distractions from our hearts and minds, and let us hear the love and the grace and mercy you have for us in Jesus. In his precious name we pray. Amen. The works of God. That's what the folks at that Pentecost, that amazing and miraculous Pentecost, were thinking. What does it mean that we can hear the mighty works of God going on in our own tongues? You see, Pentecost has been happening for quite a while. If you can believe it, it's been 50 days since Easter. It seems like not all that long ago, doesn't it, that we were just here celebrating the resurrection of our Lord. And for many, many years, the Israelites would celebrate Pentecost, this festival that would come seven weeks plus one day after Easter. Now, for the longest time, it wasn't called Pentecost. It was called the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Seven Weeks specifically, because it would be seven weeks worth of a time after the Passover that they would then celebrate the end of the grain harvest. You see, the Passover, they would celebrate all that God had done for them in Egypt by rescuing them out of slavery, all that God had done to give them a promised land, and then all that God had done to give them providence every day and make their fields grow so that they would have barley early in the spring. And they would bring that as a grain offering at Passover. And then seven weeks later, they would celebrate this feast of weeks, this 50 days, where they would bring in the wheat offering that ripened a little bit later. 
They would bring this offering in, and they would hand it before the priests as a grain offering. They would also bring a lot of other sacrifices from bulls and rams and sheep and uh, drink offering, I think might have been there. And then goats, too, as a sin offering. See, the rhythm of this Pentecost was familiar to the people. It just kind of happened every year. They were thankful for it. It was a one-day celebration where everybody would gather together and they would rest in the promised presence of God at the temple as they would all gather around the temple to bring their sacrifices, to show their dutifulness, to bring to God all the expected things. Sometimes it, it just kind of became normal. I mean, it was their regular thing. They were appreciative of the rest, but sometimes you just show up and kind of go through the motions and know what was coming, and it's not all that different than a lot of Sundays for us sometimes. Where we show up, we know what's going to happen, we hear the words, and we walk away. Being able to check the box to say I went to church on Sunday and heard some words, and, and it was good, it was nice, I enjoyed it. And it's good to have that time of rest. And enjoy. You see, there's, there's more going on. You see, when God gathers us into this place, He gathers us into His presence. We don't call Him down or rip Him out of heaven and bring Him into our presence. No, He's here in His promised ways. He's here in His Word. He's here in His sacraments. This morning, we got to celebrate a baptism of a beautiful little boy. It was absolutely wonderful. God's word wrapped around him in water and placed upon him as he ushers that child in into eternity. He calls him his very own. You see, God comes into this place and brings us into his presence. Little did the folks know at that particular Pentecost celebration in Jerusalem after Jesus had ascended that he would do the very same thing. As they came into town for a very regular celebration of this Pentecost feast, they were there with all the normal things going on, gathering up in the Temple Mount, standing around and bringing things to the priests and hearing all the things said as they should be said in the temple area in Hebrew. They didn't all speak Hebrew. But that's what it was spoken in, and many of them would understand most of it because they were good Jewish devout men that had grown up in the synagogues in their regular places and had learned the scriptures in Hebrew and wouldn't understand the majority of it at least. They knew what was going on. They knew what would be said. They knew the flow of the day. But see, then something different happened. God started to fulfill his promises. Jesus, before he ascended, as you heard in the gospel reading, said the Holy Spirit's going to come. Just wait. He's going to be there. And on this particular Pentecost, this particular one, that's exactly what happened. See, as God came in as the Holy Spirit in that moment, as that person of the Trinity showed up to do his work, amazing things starting to happen. Tongues of fire started to show above the disciples' heads, and this presence of God was seen visibly in that manner. And then the air reverberated in a way that drove them into this place to gather them together into God's presence. 
And you read the early church fathers and early commentators and folks that were not too removed from the actual event, you can hear them speak in a way where it was a sound that they heard definitely, but it was some driving thing that they could feel the air. You ever been in a presence like that? We went to the races the other day on Saturday, drag races, right? Loud cars. And you could hear them from a while away, but when they got close and right in front of you, you could feel the presence. If you ever go down to Cruising Grand every now and then, there's a few cars that do the same thing. As they drive by, you can hear them, but you can feel them. Or musically, like when a bass drum hits or the bass guitar lands and it's just this reverberating push that absolutely permeates everything that's around it. That was how the Holy Spirit was moving on that first day, driving people to His presence, driving people into this area around the disciples. And then they got to hear about the mighty works of God in their own tongue, not in the temple language of Hebrew that should have been spoken, but in these tongues that they could understand. Imagine that. Knowing pretty much what God's Word said, but then being able to hear it in your own tongue language. You're pretty blessed to probably have experienced that your entire life. But imagine having not understood all the things that went on at church, even though you knew the flow of the day and you knew all the things that were going on, but for that very first moment, being able to hear about the mighty works of God. Well, what mighty works? They were already celebrating this release from slavery, this release from servitude as they remembered the Passover and they remembered uh, this time of rest. They were already celebrating the giving of the law where God's presence was with them at Sinai and He gave them their expectation to be His people. They were already experiencing this time of rest on this 50th day, like a little mini jubilee year. That year when they wouldn't plant or harvest. That year where they would give the land rest. So what mighty works beyond that would they have heard? Well, they would have heard of what Jesus had done for them. They would have heard of how all of the prophets from Joel and all the others, all of the prophecies about the Messiah would have been fulfilled in this Christ, in the Messiah, in Jesus. And as the disciples stood there and preached the Word of God, everybody finally got to hear one word for them. A word that showed them the grace and mercy of God. A word that showed them the forgiveness of sins. They no longer had to bring sacrifices to the altar, but to know that this Lamb of God, Jesus of Nazareth, had died in their place to suffer the wrath of God for them. And that the Spirit was now moving so that they could hear of that love, those mighty works for them. It's like a reverse of the Tower of Babel. You heard that in the first reading. This tower that was being built as all of the people of the nation had one word and one language and were gathered into one place to show how wonderful that they were by making a name for themselves and not doing anything for the glory of God. And God looked down and said, they're missing the point. We need to scatter them. Confuse their languages. And they did. 
scattered over all of the earth without an ability to speak to one another in the same word, they were scattered, divided. Yet at this particular Pentecost Sunday, this particular 50th day after Passover, this particular time in that particular moment at the temple, God worked in a way to give everybody one word once again. The word that he would have spoken within his church. The one thing that would unify his people in a way that nothing else could unify his people. The spoken word of God for them in Jesus. That same forgiveness given to them that they could hear in their very own tongue. So that it didn't matter what language was spoken anymore. But God would gather everybody from every nation into his presence to speak that one unifying word of Christ. That one word that would forgive sins. That one word that would share the mighty works of God that no other word could carry at all. The word made flesh. Jesus preached, and the Holy Spirit working through that preached word to gather everyone together once again so that they would hear of those same mighty works in Christ. That's what you get every single Sunday. Through the broken words of a broken preacher, more often than not, the Holy Spirit still continues to work so that you would hear the words that you need to, so that you would know that your sins are absolutely forgiven. And we don't need a new manifestation of the Spirit to come and show us that. No, God worked it through your baptism. It's that same Holy Spirit from that day of Pentecost worked at your baptism. To bind, or bind God's promises together in that water so that when it was washed over you, you would have Jesus' righteousness. So that you would have the grace and mercy of God given to you. So that you would have the faith that the Holy Spirit worked on that day in people. It'd be the same faith that He works in you. And you don't have to doubt it. You can certainly doubt my words from time to time and you can doubt whether or not you believe enough or any of those things and the Satan's going to push us towards those doubts. But you can look with confidence at your baptism and know that the Holy Spirit worked in that moment and did everything He promised to do to make you a child of God and that those promises remain true because our God is not a liar but a God who loves you tremendously the disciples that day preached that word about the mighty works of God done in Jesus on behalf of all creation and they were left there with one final question no longer what does this mean or who are these men but what do we do Peter said be baptized 3,000 baptized that day brought into the family of God. 3,000 souls that you will see in heaven. 3,000 people that the mighty works of God were done for in the same way that they were done for you. The same way they were done this morning. We had that beautiful baptism of that little baby boy. So, know that God's love is true and His mighty works that were proclaimed in Christ are for you. Amen. Would you pray with Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the love and the grace and the mercy that you have showered upon us, that you work by your Holy Spirit to continually point us to Jesus, 
and that you bring a peace that nothing else can bring. We pray, Lord, that you let us rest in that peace, knowing that all things have been made right between us and you by the work of Christ and the faith that you give us by your Spirit to hold on to those promises. In Jesus' name, amen.